Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Strand Tennis Center podcast, filled with tips, advice, tennis, not tennis, just life advice too, whatever you need. Uh, like it on YouTube, share it on uh, the podcast as well. Thank you. Good to see you again, Mr. Sante. I'm Steve Capo. I am your host. This is the Strand Tennis Center podcast, giving a wealth of information from tennis to not tennis to, I don't know, life advice, anything we can do to help or anything we can think about. Again, we're live. Phone may ring. Uh, phone hasn't rang. I can't believe it. it's been a little quiet. Maybe we're going out of business. Something rare. Very rare. <laughs> Watch, it'll ring and somebody will forget their water bottle again, right? <laughs> I need my water bottle. So this one, I was thinking about this today, but it's been around all the time, but we should go over it. U.S. men's tennis. Give, I wrote down the list of reasons as to why you think there hasn't. When's the last time a man won a slam? A U.S. man? I don't know. I can't remember. 2003, my friend. Right? Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick. Okay. I think they actually won two that year. Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open, and then uh, Agassi won the Australian that year, I think. So they actually won two that year, and they haven't won one since. Is that when he retired? No, Roddick? No, 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 no. Agassi. Uh, Agassi retired in 2000, a little later than that. I think no, he retired 2007, okay. 2008. I'm not sure. You could, you could look. That. Why don't we look that up? When did Andre Agassi retire? Hey, Siri. I think he retired 2008 or something like that. And then Roddick was like 2012 or 13. But so it's been a, a topic of discussion, but I figured I'd go through the reasons probably why. Maybe you can start first. Why you think the U.S. men have not been able to, you know, U.S. men used to win, you know, you know, Sampras and Agassi and Courier and yeah. Connors and McEnroe. I mean, it was a slew of American players that were mm. so good. I feel like the European players are coming here for training if they're not staying over there, and they come to, like, certain academies. Um, point two. Right? That's Maybe that's why, or maybe, I don't know. Okay. So <laughs> but we'll, go, we'll go through them. I think, uh, and again, this is just one person's opinion. It could be wrong. I think, number one, playing styles. I think the major U.S. men that were the best players, and you can debate this, Sampras was a servant volley player. McEnroe was a servant volley player. Agassi Courier, no. But that type of game is not played anymore. So that kind of play influenced a lot of players. But what happened was the court surface changed. So perfect example, Wimbledon, you know, when Federer probably would have won 20 Wimbledons mm -hmm. if the surface kept the same. What happened is the court surface changed because I think it's money, it's business. Did you ever watch, when you used to watch Wimbledon, and the French Open, some of those players didn't even play both events. Most of them didn't. If you saw Barisategui or somebody years ago win the French, they never played Wimbledon because they had no shot. When even Izovich played, I think it was, what was it, Federer in the final that year? Or Sampras in the final. When Sampras played Izovich in the final, they thought it was born. Remember, it was just an ace, an ace, maybe a volley, an ace, an ace, and volley. I think... 
the powers that be felt like it wasn't interesting enough and all the best players couldn't play. So they slowed down the grass. They put a hard surface underneath it. I think it was cement, so, so it bounced harder, higher. It used to just skid, and it favored serving volleyers. You just, it wouldn't bounce at all. So a player like Nadal would have never won Wimbledon in the 80s and 90s because the ball never came up, and he needs time. Like, like Nadal needs time. He needs that ball to come up so he can create topspin. But I think they wanted all these great players to play all the surfaces and have it be competitive. Now, it's been competitive, but all the great players can control the market, so to speak. So look at what, look at what happened. You you've happen to have all these worlds collide. You've got Federer, who's probably the greatest player ever, Djokovic, probably the greatest player ever, and Nadal. Playing on a surfaces, they're all pretty similar. Like, even the clay got sped up a bit, so all of the surfaces are playing pretty similar. Now, not exactly, but everybody can play on them. So those great players have cornered the market on the slams. You think about it, though. Everybody is on the U.S., but what other country has won a slam? And I wrote the list. The only other countries, to me, that have won a slam, here are the countries that have won a slam. Switzerland, obviously. Spain, Great Britain, Andy Murray, Austria, Dominic Team, Argentina, Del Potro. That's the only other country. I can't think of another one. I mean, because Switzerland was also Stan the Man who won slams. Think of all the other countries that have not won a slam. France, Canada, Sweden, Germany, Brazil, Poland, Belgium, all of them. You can go through them all. They have not won a slam. The U.S., it's because you got these three damn guys that are really the greatest ever. And they're all playing on surfaces they can all play on now. Yeah. I think 20 years ago, Nadal would have never played on grass. So those two times that he wins it, maybe somebody else slips in there. And the five times that Federer gets to the final of the French, maybe something else changes. And, you know, I know Nadal has owned that. But how about the Australian, where Djokovic has won 10 or 11 of those? What if they slowed down that surface, or they sped it up, or they changed it, or they made it, or they made it faster? I mean, when Federer played, what year? In 2017, they said Australia was Australia was playing so fast. It favors him, favors the person to move in. So I think the court surface is a big reason. It's a big deal. The competition is not just because of these incredible players. It's also because. Tennis in the 70s and the 60s is not nearly as international as it is now. You are competing with the world. Everybody is playing. You, every country is playing tennis. Can't say that for American football. You can't say that for basketball. It's not in every country. Everybody is playing tennis. Costa Rica, I mean, Argentina, Brazil. I mean, everyone's playing. So you're dealing with a big talent pool. And in the reverse... The USTA is not getting the most talented U.S. players anymore. The most talented U.S. athletes are not playing tennis anymore because the USTA is not a great marketing place. They're just not getting them. All the great athletes are not playing tennis. You're saying they, they switch sports? I, they're playing other sports. So yeah. very rare. Isner was going to play basketball, things like that. Like Very rare for these taller because all the players are taller now. A 6'3", 6'4", athlete is going to play basketball, is going to play football. They're going to choose those two before they choose tennis. More money. And even on... What? More money. More money. And even on the small level, 
A six-two-six-three athlete is going to choose lacrosse in college because there's 45 scholarships instead of 12, and lacrosse is not international. It's American. You're not dealing with... Even when I went to college, I was playing Australians. I was playing Austrians. I was playing Latin Americans. We had a couple of Brazilian kids on the team. Think about the tennis team in college. You have 12 spots, 16 players maybe. And 30% of them are already taken by foreigners. It's just, it doesn't make any sense for parents to go, all right, let's try to get a tennis scholarship. Go play lacrosse. There's no foreigners playing lacrosse. We have four, there's 40 scholarships. So it start, even starts from there. So the kid goes, all right, uh, we're not going to play tennis every day in an eighth grader. I'm going to play tennis. I'm going to play lacrosse. So you lose all those good athletes. I'm going to play basketball because there's more money. I'm going to play football because there's more money. Because if I get, te- I get to the team or I get drafted, I don't have to win either. Tennis, if you don't win, you don't make money either. It's very tough. It's, it's very similar to baseball, which is where baseball doesn't have as many American players or more Latin Americans playing because it's, it, it, you know, Latin America is just more third world countries and it's a way to get out and get somewhere. I had a similar tennis player that went to Duke and he was playing in Latin America, playing in like 100 degrees and was like, the heck with this. I'm just going to go to get a job in finance. I don't want to do this. But the Latin American player doesn't have that choice, right? So they will fight as long as they can to be able to get out of their situation. We're too prosperous in this country. That's what happens. When you get all these players, and there's again, there's a network effect. All these great players go to where? Stanford, Yale, Wake Forest, Duke, UNC. So if all those great players are going, they're going to get a job somewhere. So you take, you take all of those players and they're really out in college. They're really not going to play. If they go to college and they're really good, they're not going to usually play the pros. Rarely happens. Very rare, like Daniel Collins, who went to Virginia, won two national championships, and now playing pro. And women are different. They're more successful. The women, the American women are much more successful than the men, women, the men, the men right now. And, our, and again, our USTA program is just not great. Like Taylor Fritz never, who's top 10, never like went to the USTA program, didn't even know how to do drills. He said, I just hit. Like no kind of program, no federation, nothing going on. So our recruitment of good athletes has, has waned a lot. And that's a big problem in regards to it rolling over. Because if you don't have a great player winning at the top, you can't influence these young kids to then want to play tennis. So if, if there were somebody like Macaron and Sampras at the top now, you get a ton of kids wanting to play. It just, it just is what it is. You're, if you get Sampras in the finals of Wimbledon, it's going to influence a bunch of grassroots kids that want to play tennis in the U.S. You're going to need some special breakthrough for somebody, whether it be Fritz, whether it be Corda, who just beat Al- Alcarez in Monte Carlo, uh, who Sebastian Corda is a good American player, too. Or it's going to take like one of these Alpelka to come into the net. The guy's six foot. You know what is he? He's like twelve feet tall, Alpelka. You know the guy with the beard and the hat. You know, big beard, Alpelka. But huge guy. I think he's six seven, six eight. Doesn't come forward enough. I mean, being that big and you don't come forward, we've got to learn to be a little bit more aggressive on the court too, and come forward. Because I mean, Federer's an all court player, right? He comes in. 
He doesn't come in nearly as much as everybody else used to, but he comes in more than, I mean, 90% of the players. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, those are really the big things. I think the training, yeah, the training and the recruitment in Europe and Asia are so bigger. They create these programs. And I was, I was giving a lesson to one of our, uh, our clients here, an uh, Italian gentleman, he's, about, he's older, and he said, the Italian Federation, the French Raiders, they create free programs mm -hmm. to see who's a good player. They create all these free programs around the country, and then they go, oh, right, this person's got ability. Let's bring him in. So they create all these grassroots programs to get these kids in. All right, you can play for free. We have, a, whether, we have a, an instructor through the Federation, and they look at all these players. Just not doing that enough. That's smart. It's smart yeah. to get... All, because if you look at it from the big picture, if you get two, three top ten players, it's going to feed back. Everybody's going to want to join the federation or player and be in that program. So, being that as it said, do you uh, have any predictions for anybody to win a slam? <laughs> no, no I, I don't know. I always feel like it's random. I wouldn't say it's random, but you're always surprised, especially in the women's. Um, it's like anyone's game for that. You know. Well, I think the women definitely have more chances. I think yeah. Jennifer Brady, she's a great player. There's a lot of great American players. Uh, For the men, it kind of rotates. You know what I mean? Or it, I used to, it used to rotate a lot, the same players would win, you know, the majors at least. The yeah, major I slams. Think, uh, yeah, the men used to, you know, in the 90s, it was Courier, Sampras, mm -hmm. Agassi. It was a great rotation. Mm -hmm. They were awesome players, right? In the 2000s, early 2000s. And the the yeah. early 2000s was Roddick. He was the only one that was number one. And you know, James Blake was a great player, too. But it, I don't know. Is it going to be Fritz to win a slam? Korda's a great player? I don't know. Uh, uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, you still don't. I, I just still think we're just not getting the athletes. Yeah. And maybe these things go in waves, but it's been a, a bit of a time. I think it's been, I think maybe... But do you also, this is actually, I thought about this. Do you think that maybe people don't pick tennis because it's not really a team sport? And, and nowadays, kids want to be more social and they want to, I guess, like make more friends or hang out with more friends. So if they pick like team sports like soccer or football, baseball, because they get to socialize more because we're addicted to this social media and technology and just talking to each other. Yeah. And tennis is more individual, you know. Even if you play doubles, it's still pretty lonely. You know, if you think about it, I think there's a point to that. Sure, I think maybe, but then I don't know. Then I look at all the great Italian players coming up: Sinner and Ber Berrettini, and mm -hmm. you know, why do why are these? Why all of a sudden there's four great Italian players? I don't. You know, there's social media over there as well. I I, I think Europe tennis is a. I think Europe, it's tennis and soccer, right? Those yeah. are. Those are the two huge things. Yeah. I think in the U.S. it's basketball and football. Yeah. It's just not as big a sport. It just, I, I, I just don't think it's as popular anymore. And maybe that's the reason why. Maybe yeah. kids want to do more team sports. I have a feeling it's because of the lacrosses in the world. Those sports have blown up, and they haven't blown up in Europe. They're just not that way. And I think you're going to lose a lot of kids to that. And I think it's because the American football is the most popular thing in this country. Mm. Basketball is huge. Europe, basketball is big, but it's not nearly as big. It's down yeah. the chain. 
But it's a good point, <laughs> you know. I don't know, Santi. Maybe one day we'll... I don't think we'll get back to, like... Uh, I think the competition is too great. I don't think you'll get back to, like, Connors and Macaron, those guys owning the top two spots for years. And I think it's just changed. I think there's just too much competition out there now. But uh, I'd love to hear people's comments is to figure out why the reason is. But just a little piece on American men's tennis. Enjoy your day. Hopefully this is helpful. Think about getting some actions out there, working out. Enjoy. See you. Hey, everybody. Hope you like the podcast. Please share it with your friends, anybody that you know, anybody that's into tennis, anybody that's into bettering themselves. Share it.